The Gospel according to Luke, chapter 3. The people were filled with expectation and questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Messiah. When John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form, like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to start today with a question, but fear not, you cannot get the answer wrong. Because this is a question that only you can answer for yourself. And you don't even have to tell anybody else what you come up with. The question is this. What three words would you use to describe yourself? Take a moment and think about it. Maybe write them down if you want. Now, there are all kinds of ways to answer this, of course. You might have chosen words to describe your personality or your appearance or your aspirations. You might have chosen mostly positive words or mostly negative ones. You might have known exactly how you wanted to answer this, or you might have sat there thinking, I have no idea. <laughs> you might have picked words mostly because you've heard other people say them about you, or you might have chosen words that you know nobody else would ever say because they describe things that you've mostly kept hidden away. I did this exercise once with a group at a May Youth Weekend retreat at Holden Village with a bunch of about 200 high schoolers. We were reading the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus at the time. And in that story, there are three descriptions of Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector, and he was rich, and he was short. <laughs> That's what the story tells us. So we talked about how those were the words that other people used to, de to describe Zacchaeus. And we started by listing words that other people used to describe us. And then I asked them to choose three words that they would use to describe themselves, just like you did. And we compared them. How are they different? What other people say and what we say about ourselves. Like maybe Zacchaeus would have described himself as a short, rich tax collector, but maybe not. Maybe he would have said that he was curious, and headstrong, and a little anxious. Or maybe that he was funny, and introverted, and ambitious. That May Youth Weekend retreat was nearly 20 years ago now. 
So all those high schoolers are now in their mid to late 30s. I wonder how their three words have changed. Undoubtedly, they have. Though it seems like a very short time since we were reading the stories of Jesus' birth, because, to be honest, it was a very short time ago, at least in our calendar, today we have jumped ahead to another sort of beginning. Today we are with Jesus at the inauguration of his public ministry. Right after today's story ends, the gospel tells us that Jesus is about 30 years old when all of this is taking place. And then it gives us a long list of Jesus' ancestors, starting with his father Joseph, all the way back to Jacob and Isaac and Abraham, even to Adam. But the gospel never tells us much more about Jesus than that, in terms of a description. Not here in Luke, and not anywhere, really. We never learn whether Jesus is tall or short, quiet or loud, fast or slow. We know that he had brown skin and brown hair and brown eyes as a Middle Eastern man, but we don't know too much more. Instead, we learn one primary thing, one word to describe Jesus right from this beginning. One thing that matters more than his height or his weight, his hair color or eye color, more than the quality of his laugh or how outgoing or shy he was. Jesus is described only as God's child, as one with whom God is well pleased, and most importantly, as beloved. Did you put that on your list? Beloved, is that where we begin with ourselves and one another? What difference would it make if we did? By all accounts, we are in for a bit of a rough road ahead. The up and down nature of the last two years has struck again as the Omicron variant is raging. Once again, we are feeling unsettled, once again, we are maybe backing away from each other and from gatherings that we were perhaps looking forward to. Once again, we are imagining what it might be like to do remote school and work and church on Zoom. And once again, we are preparing for more isolation than we've known for a while. It's entirely possible that the circumstances of these days have actually changed some of the words that you used to describe yourself. That if I had asked you this question at, say, the end of November, you might have chosen different words than you did today. It's possible that right now, at least one of your words was something like tired, frustrated, defeated, resigned. The truth is that the next few weeks will be hard ones. There will be a lot of disruption. The grocery store shelves will not be what we have ordinarily come to expect. Businesses will have odd hours while they deal with staffing shortages. Appointments will get canceled. Plans will need to be changed. And things that we have looked forward to, maybe even looked forward to for several years, may have to wait again. 
And it is going to be hard not to take out our frustrations on each other. Not to snap when we get that phone call about the canceled appointment or event. Not to roll our eyes when everything takes twice as long as we think it should, because only half the people can be there to help. Not to fall into despair and pull away for good because we just can't take being disappointed anymore, and so we quit. That's going to be a challenge for us about everything. Jobs, healthcare, school, grocery stores, doctor's offices, road conditions, relationships, and yep, even church. It's going to be a challenge for a while not to throw up our hands and think, I quit. What do you do when the storm seems to be raging out of control? When you find yourself in the world turned upside down, yet again, we've lost track of how many times we've said that. When the only words you can use to describe yourself are ones like angry, tired, frustrated, sad, confused, and bitter. Or when we start to describe other people with words like ignorant, egotistical, foolish, stupid, and finally even enemy. Where do we begin? Diana Butler Bass, a, a professor who studies and writes extensively about religion in the United States, recently wrote an article and she said this, the next few weeks will be hard. Do not panic. Do not give up. I know you are tired, sick of it all. So am I. But this is our challenge and our time to do what is right, to love our neighbors. Remember to pray, take small breaks as needed, cry as often as you need, but do not surrender. Please keep doing what is right. You aren't broken. You're just worn down and sad and tired. Even in the midst of it all, there is still love a healing God, good people, and a beautiful purpose for your life and theirs. We are being called to be our best selves as leaders, friends, and neighbors, to tell the truth with intelligence and assurance, integrity, and resolve. Act with compassion and courage. That's our path to real hope. Every year as we begin to tell the stories of Jesus' life and ministry, we begin with the story of his baptism. And every year we can draw out of that story so many different and beautiful details. Like how God shows up in ordinary things like water and birds and voices. Or how Jesus chooses to stand in the muddy waters with us, just like us, one of us and be baptized just like we are. Or how baptism is a beginning and not an end. It's a way of life and not just a day. Or how we never quite know when God will show up with just the word we need to hear. But this year, at this moment, I suspect what the story is telling us most is this, that beloved, is where we begin. 
in the muddy waters in the raging river in the middle of the storm and the crowd and the uncertainty out in the wilderness where the rules no longer seem to apply and everybody is, is at least a little bit lost. The first thing we need to hear is that we are beloved. And the second thing we need to hear is that everybody else is too. What difference could it make if we took that as our beginning everywhere? So when you're standing in a long line and you feel your blood pressure rise because the person in front of you at the grocery store has 18 coupons and can't find their pen and then three items need to be price checked, as your heart starts to beat faster and you can feel your eyes start to roll, what if you look at them and you take a deep breath and you say to yourself, Beloved, And when your child refuses to put pants on, even though it's 35 degrees and raining, or when your friend doesn't call, even though they said they would, and when that guy cuts you off in traffic, and when your coworker drops the ball again, and when your neighbor posts something awful on Facebook, and when your spouse says that thing that they always say that drives you nuts and they know that it drives you nuts, and then you're about to say the thing that you know drives them nuts. And when you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see, what if you take a breath and you say to yourself, Beloved. And make no mistake, it doesn't make things easier. It's not an excuse to avoid injustice or paper over difficulties. Beginning with our belovedness is just that. It's a beginning. There's still a long road to walk together. There are still a great many wounds that need to be healed. There are still so many ways in which the world is stacked against some of us and in favor of others. Once we truly believe that we are beloved, and once we truly understand that everybody else is too, then there's nothing for it but to begin working slowly and steadily and faithfully to mend those broken places as best we can. But beloved is the place to begin. And so I offer you a blessing for that beginning, written by Jan Richardson, who says, If you would enter into the wilderness, do not begin without a blessing. Do not leave without hearing who you are, beloved, named by the one who has traveled this path before you. Do not go without letting it echo in your ears. And if you find it is hard to let it into your heart, do not despair. That is what this journey is for. I cannot promise this blessing will free you from danger or fear, from hunger or thirst, from the scorching of the sun or the fall of the night. But I can tell you that on this path, there will be help. 
I can tell you that you will know the strange graces that come to our aid only on a road like this, that fly to meet us bearing comfort and strength, that come alongside us for no other cause than to lean themselves to our ear and with their curious insistence, whisper our name, beloved, beloved, beloved. And so, let us begin. Amen.